We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the show, IB Nation Sports Talk Up and Rolling. It is Mailbag Night with Jesse Styers, Sean Styers. We have some awards to hand out before we get started because Thomas Walsh, first one in tonight. Congratulations, Thomas. And the world-famous Scotty Nitro, number two in tonight. With a bronze medal, David Knight, and I guess... Co- you know, another bronze Michael Parks. Honorable mention. Yeah, that's right. Top four finishers for tonight. So they are all in. Those were the first four guys in, but don't matter if you're first or hundredth in our little world here. It's mailbag night. So that means submit the questions. That's all you have to do. Ask the questions and uh, we will answer them tonight. How are things in Cleveland this evening, Jesse? Um, things are going well. It's a, I, I feel like I've been spinning the first three days of this week. There's just a lot going on. Um, uh, my buddy lost his power, uh, at his apartment complex. So he's been kind of staying with us the last couple nights and he's got a cat. And so, you know, they've been upstairs and it's just, you know, a person in the house. I had to make some cookies today for a work event. I feel like we're finishing up a lot of work before Christmas hits, trying to get all of our projects out. So there's just a lot going on. It feels like I'm just running in circles and there's not enough time in the day to get everything accomplished that I want to get accomplished. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you get up against it a little bit, getting close to the holidays, Christmas. It's like a week from this weekend. It is Christmas. It will be here. You got all that to worry about and, and everything else. So uh, I see some guys are still logging in. So uh, did you see the, um, American Football Coaches Association, uh, All-American teams that came out. Five Irish players. Michael Vinson, the long snapper, uh, got some All-American honors. I mean, good for him, but it was just, I'm going to, I'm just going to say, I didn't realize they gave out All-American honors to the long snappers. Yeah, uh, you know, it's funny. I saw Brian, I can't remember when it was, but it was recently talking about Notre Dame's long snapper and the fact that they were returning and how good he was and how significant it was. And, you know, in my head, and, I, you know, not trying to discredit anyone, but I was like, how important could a long snapper, you know, really be? I know you want to get it there, right? And so, like, what is right. their what is their measure? Like, are you putting it on the hands every time? It has to be some sort of, like, you have a, dia- you know, a circle that has a certain diameter and to me, it feels like you're trying to hit bullseye on that circle every time. And that's got to be, you know, how you're judged. And again, I, I just it, it's it's coming full circle now because of, you know, th- there is an importance to it. You got to get the ball there quickly. I'm sure timing, accuracy and speed are probably like the top three, you know, aspects of being a good long snapper. And hey, if Notre Dame has an All-American long snapper, we could just add it to the list. It's never a bad that's thing right. to All-American. And they, you know, they'll bring him back. He announced he's returning. He was kind of on the fence a little bit earlier in the season. He was kind of leaning, Mike, and Brian Mason told us this the other day. He was leaning toward not returning initially and uh, ultimately, you know, decided that he's coming back. So now they return an All-American long snapper. So (laughs) good for them. We'll talk more about that, uh, uh, you know, the – 
the uh, Michael Mayer aspect of the uh, All-American stuff. Michael Mayer ended up being a consensus All-American, which means that he got first team from three of the five Majority. major All-American teams. So good for him. Um, Jarrett Patterson, by the way, got the Coaches Association second team. And I think I said earlier this week that Patterson was out of eligibility. He actually has one more season of eligibility left. I thought 2018 was his freshman year. I thought that he played more than four games his freshman year. That was the first year that they did the you can play in up to four games and still maintain a season of eligibility. I thought he played in more than that. So uh, he's been here for, what, 18, 19, 20, 20, for five years because of COVID. He still has one more year left. But – we all expect that he will, at some point, declare for the NFL draft, which he should, I think. Don't yeah, you? I mean, at this point, I, I don't know kind of what's left to prove if you're Patterson, right? Like, I know that, you know, you, you your ultimate goal in college is to win a national championship, but I don't think you should come back solely for that reason, considering, you know, how well he's going to perform, the accolades that he has, and potentially, you know, he's, he's definitely a first-round grade, in my opinion, so – it's hard to turn down a first round grade and a first round opportunity. So for me, I don't, I don't think there's a question whether or not Patterson um, is staying or leaving. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so either because he was in a situation where he could have declared last year and probably would have been drafted, wanted to come back and get better, played all year with an injured foot and is still going to play in the bowl game as well. You know, and that's kind of what we were talking about the other day, but he's going to play in the bowl game. And, um, I, you know, again, I, I just, I don't think where he is that he's going to improve his stock enough. If he were to come back for one more year, it would help the offensive line, obviously to have a guy of his quality, but at the same time, you know, you've kind of got a log jam with those interior linemen. There are some guys waiting for some opportunities like Christophic and Spindler, and you've got other guys, you know, even behind them as well. So uh, I'll be, I'm not really curious, I guess, to see what he's going to do again. I, I feel like it's more a foregone conclusion than anything. But he does he does ultimately have a decision to make if it's a decision for him. So we'll see what happens. But again, I, I think that uh, he ends up heading out for the draft. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
All right, we've got some questions, so we can go ahead and get started here. And uh, again, uh, just uh, you know, bring in your questions if you'd like, and uh, get going because it is mailbag night. It's about you, viewer slash listener. All questions that uh, you come up with until we get to rapid fire, anyway. So I'll just start with Thomas's question: the status of Tobias Merriweather. He had, you know, he was in concussion protocol for three weeks at the end of the season. Probably would have been a starter. He was to the point where it sounds like the staff was ready to to put him into the starting lineup at that point. But because of the concussion protocol, he missed those three weeks. But he has been practicing. And, uh, you know, so that's that's where he is. He is back. He is out of concussion protocol and he is practicing. So that's good news. And, you know, like we've all wanted to see full fledged Tobias Merriweather. So I think that's good news for Notre Dame and Notre Dame fans when it comes to uh, the Gator Bowl here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And I think it's even more exciting news considering that Tyler Buckner is going to be out. He has a stronger, better arm, can stretch the ball downfield a little bit more. And we know that's, you know, Tobias's strength and considering he's young and the rest of the team is going to, you know, overall the team is going to be on the younger side compared to where they were at the USC game because of transfers uh, and, and just getting some guys some experience. When you have a month off between bowl games, you kind of, as a younger guy, get the opportunity to bridge that gap and potentially, you know, get more playing time in this bowl game. So someone like him, I think it's a complete advantage uh, that he's going to get the opportunity to play with Buckner in the lineup. And I think that they're going to try to utilize him downfield. Like I was saying, it's going to be fun uh, seeing, you know, Estime, Diggs, um, uh, Chris Tyree, Tobias Merriweather, Lindsey, all on the field at the same time and the potential, you know, the, the, the matchups that they can create with all that speed um, and athleticism in space. If I'm Tyler Buckner, I'm very happy with what I'm coming back to. Yeah. I agree. Can be a big time weapon, and you know we get to we get to get little uh, glimpses, little tastes of it. But uh, I think that um, we'd all like to see more full fledged Tobias going forward. I'll let you start with this one. I think this is an interesting one, Jess, since you're Mr. Whiteboard guy and everything else. <laughs> Are TR and AG trying to implement too much NFL type stuff into their respective? Schemes, TR, of course, being Tommy Reese, AG being Al Golden. I ask because neither one seemed to scheme slash game plan to get the most out of the talent they had to work with. So what do you think about that, Coach? You know, I'll start with Tommy Reese on the offensive side. It's no, you know, Tommy Reese has come out and said that he spent a lot of the time in the offseason studying the NFL. So obviously we're going to see kind of, you know, similar styles implemented into his schemes. I don't think that that's necessarily Tommy Reese's issue. I just think Tommy Reese gets away from what works best for his teams at time. I don't think he's necessarily trying at times. Yes, he is trying to do too much, but I think that he, he tries to get too fancy and too cute rather than, uh, you know, kind of sticking with what's, what's working in that game. And then obviously at, at halftime, you have to be able to make the, the proper adjustments, you know, based on what the other team is, is going to show you. Um, but to me, the, the best strategy, and I like this a lot, I, I can't. I think it was the BYU game. Notre Dame came out and they ran a lot of different offensive set personnels uh, in their first kind of couple of drives, you know, 15, 20 players or so. And what I found interesting about that is you got to try out or kind of test all these different formations and see how BYU was going to respond. And then you can kind of pick and choose, you know, what you want to go with going forward. So I don't mind having a, a, an, a, an abundance kind of plays to pick from but when it comes down to game time and you're in the game you have to narrow it down and, and really focus on what's working for you in that game I think that's my biggest complaint about Tommy Reese I just don't think he sticks to uh what, what what's working he tries to kind of deter from the path and get a little too cute at times yeah like he has his idea of what he thinks should work and he probably sticks with that too long when there are other options because they do have so much personnel flexibility with with what they can do, whether it's 21, 12, 11, all these different looks, 31, even that we've talked about, you know, it's, it's like he, he kind of gets stuck predominantly on 12 and 13, it seems like. And I'm trying to think of which game, I think it was the Clemson game where, uh, or was it Boston college? Yeah, it was Boston college. It was after the Clemson game. We're like 12, they were just pounding BC with 12, I believe. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now they're going to go back to 11, go with what works, stick with what works, but also be able to adjust based on, right. you know, don't just throw a personnel group out there 
to do it. If it's if it's working, you can stick with it. But, it, uh, you know, just the flip side of that, if it's not working, don't stick with it. What do you think about the defensive side with Al Golden? I did feel like, especially early on, maybe things were a little bit too complicated. And like when people start talking about young guys and wanting to get young guys more involved, I think that that can add another layer to, you know, maybe what takes a young guy longer if things are too complicated in the scheme. Yeah, so I, I do agree early on. I think that Al Golan was kind of throwing a, a little bit too much at his players, and I think you kind of saw that. And once they kind of simplified things, I think guys were able to ease in and have a little bit more confidence, you know, in their play. But I, I would say the main thing with Al Golan's defense is, you know, by the end of the season, this was a defense that finished top 20, top 25 in the country overall as a defensive unit, right? You would have liked to see more interceptions. And we've talked about this before, even though teams weren't getting into the red zone a lot, you would still like there to be more, uh, you know, red zone stops uh, essentially. But the main thing that, that I focus on is you have to realize for these players, this is the third defensive coordinator in three years. That's not an easy task, especially for someone like Bertrand, who's been around for a while. These guys who've been around Foskey, who've been around for a while, you know, it's not easy transitioning between defensive coordinators because even if a lot of the principles are, are still the same, it's it's still a different guy calling the shots. He's still trying to accomplish different things. And so I think that we saw the team kind of settle in as the season went. And that's that's largely because of it. Like I said, they've had three different defensive coordinators in the last three seasons. Um, and I would say the main thing that I was concerned with in terms of Al Golan's defense was overall was the linebacker play. And I think that we'll see that improve because, you know, we saw the secondary perform very well. We saw the defensive line perform very well. And obviously linebackers were the weak spot. But to me, you know, with the defense that Al Golden runs and what he's trying to accomplish being more NFL based and where the NFL stands today, linebackers are more of a hybrid speed guy, right? It's not your traditional kind of thumper linebacker, Brian Urlacher type of linebacker anymore. And so when we yeah. get these younger guys in who have a lot of speed like Prince Kali, Jalen Sneed, I think you're going to see this defense elevated because of those type of players. So I don't necessarily, I I, I, I think Al Golden, I need to see a little bit more out of him in year, not in year two. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of things, consistency that I want to see wise. Now we have, you know, a defensive coordinator for more than one season. And again, getting these linebackers in with more speed and athleticism, I think is only going to elevate them um, as a, as a group defensively. Concur. Larry asks if Josh Bryan is still on scholarship. Will Yoakum still do kickoffs and is Yoakum a walk-on? Into the question, uh, Yoakum is a walk-on. He did a great job with kickoffs this year. I, I think that's going to be one of the questions going forward, you know, as they bring this new guy in from South Florida, the guy that uh, they got the, uh, the, the portal commitment from yesterday, Spencer Schrader. He did do kickoffs at South Florida he you know he did both so I don't know like I, I think if if you've got a guy who can do the job and not just do you know the job to you know minimal standard I think that Yoakum did a good job he was not on scholarship though Josh Bryan yeah he is a scholarship kicker then nothing I've heard says that that's any different Notre Dame is typically not in the habit of pulling scholarship so i wouldn't you know expect that that is going to change um anytime soon so that's kind of where they are with the kickers um i see a lot of different questions here is there any particular topic you want to hit jess i don't know yet you i guess you can't really see the starred type stuff can you david asked this was an interesting one is the portal affecting players' desire to work harder and earn playing time since they can just go into the portal and walk away? Um, you know, I, I think that there's uh, always going to be a little bit of that, right? Like guys are going to kind of see the mountain ahead of them and rather than kind of climbing that mountain, uh, maybe they find a mountain that's a little bit, you know, less steep to climb or not, not quite as high. But to me, what it boils down to, is you, you get an honest reflection, right? A lot of these guys coming out of high school don't necessarily pick what's the best fit for them. They, they get caught up with the name and the brand and potentially go to a school that's already kind of stacked up at a certain position. And they believe that once they get there, they can be that playmaker or, oh, when I can show them uh, type of situation. Then you, you kind of see how you realistically stack up with these guys and practice and, and, and being you know live in person. And so it, it, to me, it comes down to what is the best opportunity for the player, you know, and I think that they realize someone like Drew Pine, 
he got an opportunity here, but Drew Pine isn't – how do I put this the nicest way? Drew Pine <laughs> isn't a top 20, you know, starting quarterback in college football, in my opinion. Like, he's he's not going to be that difference maker. He's not a Heisman right. contender type quarterback, and that's nothing against Drew Pine, but he's got a better opportunity elsewhere where the, where the roster isn't quite as stacked. And I think, like I said, when I started, well, these guys come into school and they don't really realize kind of how – you know, these, the depth of some of these positions when maybe they kind of maybe should have picked a more intermediate school that fit, you know, where their talent level was at the time. The thing with Drew Pine, again, like if the decision that he wanted to make was he was going to transfer after the season was over, that's fine. But the way he ultimately did it when he found out, oh, Tyler Buckner's going to get a chance to start in the Gator Bowl and they're going to bring in a portal quarterback. So it's like, oh, I'm gone right now. I'm leaving you know, high and dry, gone. That bugs me. Now, at the same time, there was a ceiling with Drew Pine, just like you said. He was still a three-star guy. He worked hard in the time that he was at Notre Dame to get to where he was, you know, just to get to where he was. He was in quarterback competitions the last two years. So like him specifically, it's not like he didn't work to get to where he was. It's just that there's a ceiling with Drew Pine. And we saw the ceiling this year. You might see incremental improvement next year but ultimately i think if drew pine was still the quarterback next year and there wasn't a better option behind him you, you we would have seen you know look at the look at the amount of complaints that that you know and that ian book got when he was here when he ended up being the all you know the program's all-time winning as quarterbacks there were still limitations to ian book there are more limitations to drew pine it looked early on like maybe there weren't as many limitations to drew pine but we saw a lot of his limitations so there's a ceiling with him Bigger picture, you know, like I think some of these other guys have put in their time. Like, you know, again, if we're talking Notre Dame specifically, you know, guys like Asita Equano, he's he's put in his time. He's worked. It, 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 it obviously is not going to happen for him here. Jaden Bellamy, you know, like can you say, well, you know, did he not want to work and put in the time? Well, again, he's a three, you know, he's a three-star guy. So he's he's along the same, you know, caliber as a Drew Pine type guy, there was going to be a lot of work in front of him to try to crack the two deep even for Jaden Bellamy, especially with what's already here and what's, you know, continuing to come in as Mike Mickens continues to upgrade the, the, the you know, the secondary recruiting. So you know, I think, you know, maybe in some cases there are guys who don't necessarily want to work for it, but, you know, just like with everything, I, I think it's kind of case by case. There's, you know, there's, there's still, a mixed bunch. I, I don't think it's a, I don't think you can throw a blanket statement over all of it. All right. A lot more. I, we're getting a lot of uh, women's basketball questions in here a little bit. We'll get to them in a little bit. And I'm looking, okay, here we are. This, but the, the, the screen was confusing me here. Um, DMND 13. It wants to know who do I like working with more Vince or Jesse? <laughs> Clearly Just not trying out there. any problems. Well, you know, Vince is off putting up Christmas lights on his house right now. So I realize he's got to do his Chris or, you know, Clark Griswold thing. But come on. Jesse's not out putting up lights right now. I, think I am out tomorrow, though. Oh, you are tomorrow? Well, well, okay. So, so both of you, <laughs> you're fired. We're on your naughty list. <laughs> That's right. Um, I like the question by uh, Gavin Harden, if you see that one. I saw it a second ago. The one about focusing the defense and stringing out plays? That one? Yes, yes. Do and I think Notre Dame... Uh, 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 let me read the question, then I'll let you go. Do, does, should Notre Dame focus the defense around stringing out plays and playing east and west due to their speed on defense, lack of size between the tackles? You know, I think that, um, yeah, I, I think this is obviously when you are kind of traditionally undersized, how do you utilize what you're good at? And Notre Dame going forward is going to have a lot of speed at the linebacker position. We've seen their speed in the secondary. And of course, we've seen, you know, they don't have traditional clog guys, you know, defensive tackles. You don't have, you know, like those big guys from Georgia who are just massive and can clog it up. And then they do have speed on the on the on the defensive end. To me, I'm more concerned about what can you do with your stunts to utilize your speed. That kind of you know, how can you create pressure? 
How can you create different looks for the quarterback and the offensive line? And then when plays do get to the edge, obviously the sideline is your best friend. It's your it's your extra defender, right? So you want to stretch everything more laterally uh, than you do vertically. So I am all in favor of, you know, if they're going to be undersized, coming up with ways to utilize their speed via scheme and then obviously using the sidelines as your extra defender. Yeah, I think that's a good good answer. You, you know, you've got to, just like with your offense, same with your defense, you've got to find a way to capitalize with the personnel that you have. So I would think that that would be good as well. I've seen some uh, women's basketball, Cassidy, uh, Cassandra, Prosper, questions uh, how welcoming has the women's basketball team been toward her and uh, there was another question thoughts on uh, the women's basketball player enrolling early joining the team in the middle of the year we touched on this a little bit in rapid fire the other day my biggest concern is you're coming in mid-season the team already has nine games under its belt plus you know like more than a month of of you know regular practice in October and summer workouts and all that stuff. So how a, a player is going to fit in just from a playing standpoint when you plop them in in midseason, you do kind of wonder because like Olivia Miles, you know, she did it two years ago when she finished high school early. They weren't playing um, basketball her senior year. She came in and now she's not the Olivia Miles that we saw last year and she's certainly not the Olivia Miles that we saw this year as well you know because of what i'm talking about it's like she's like she was an upgrade from what they had at point guard but at the same time it just it took some time to kind of get used to each other and that's that's kind of what i wonder about as far as the team they've been great like they introduced her you know they're all the you know apparently everyone's excited about her joining the team and they introduced her um I think it was in the third quarter of their game against Merrimack last Saturday. They had her up on the video screen. And then after the, when the game was over, the team was out there taking pictures and she was out there taking pictures with them and stuff like that. And then boom, a couple days later, she's on the team. So I, I haven't got a chance to get your take, Jesse. What do you think about this? You don't see it very often. Um, what do you think about a player joining up mid season and kind of how it can work out? Yeah, so I, I believe that, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm almost certain that basketball is the only sport in which you can, you know, I, obviously there, there might be others, but I'm, I'm considering you know, football, basketball, baseball, some of the bigger sports, you know, at university, soccer. You don't see a lot of players, you know, essentially kind of joining midseason. And you're right. The only thing that I would be concerned about is, one, that there's no animosity towards the player because there's, you know, it's not her fault that she's joining midseason compared to, you know, maybe end of the season. So the only thing that you'd have to be concerned about is, you know, the cohesion and getting her caught up with where this team is at because they had all the preseason, they've had games already. And so you have to be able to find a way to get her integrated into the, you know, the team flow of things. And, you know, the team is kind of already at one point and you're asking someone who hasn't even been, you know, on campus before or played with these players in any type of way to now be on the team and try to get caught up as soon as possible. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And of course, we've got somebody complaining that we're, you know, fielding women's basketball questions, even though it's in the middle of basketball season. We're still 99% football. You know, don't get too, don't get too crazy about it. Come on, come on, stick with us here a little bit. Anthony wants to know preferred playing order: Tyler Buckner, Minchie, and Carr in the coming years. Uh, I just think it's too early to really kind of answer that question. I, I. I haven't, you, you got to see these guys in practice. You got to be able to see them in the spring game. You know, it's just, a, yeah, it's one thing to look at, you know, Menchie and Carr's kind of high school tape, but it, you know, there's a transition between high school and college, just like there's a transition between college and NFL. And so like Buckner's got to be up there right now until you start seeing these guys play. It, you can't really make any, you know, rash judgments until, until you see these guys playing with other college players um, and playing at the speed, you know, that, that the college game is played at. Best guy. That's that's all I ever care about. The best guy yeah. should be in there, and regardless of what year they are, you know, in any of that. You know, just like look at at Clemson when Trevor Lawrence was a freshman. It, you know, they they were willing to to make a change to a to a true freshman 
early on in his career, boom, you know, that he would have been drafted first overall probably by the NFL that year if he could have. And now I'm not saying that Carr and Minchie are going to end up that like that. I'm not saying they're not going to end up like that. But bottom line for me is best guy. Doesn't matter which one it is, as long as it's the best guy. And when he goes out there on Saturday, he plays like he's the best guy. That's that's really the only guy, you know, that, that would be my preferred order. That's that's the best I can say. <laughs> you know, I, I thought Michael Parks just put an inter- interesting comment in the chat. Women's basketball is setting the standard at Notre Dame. It used to be the football team. Hopefully that is a changing and going in the right direction. I would make the argument that it hasn't been the football team since the since like the, the late nineties, since 2000, there's only one program at Notre Dame that has won, you know, I think, you know, multiple national championships and, and that's the women's basketball team. So I think, I think you got to give a little bit more respect <laughs> to the Notre Dame women's basketball team. They're one of the best programs in the nation. And, and if not, you know, the best program at Notre Dame in the last 20 years or so. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's curious because I saw, well, not I saw. I was at the press conference the other day, and when and we played the soundbite yesterday, where Marcus Freeman was talking about the undergrad transfers, where basically everything is case by case because you know women's women's basketball and some of these other sports like that have been some of the few sports that have been able to get these undergrad transfers. And I know some people have said, well, if they can get an undergrad, then why can't football get an undergrad? And as Marcus Freeman said. It's always going to be case by case. It's, you know, they've got to look at the transcripts and we were talking about it yesterday. Not, you know, not all of your courses, you know, once you start school at one place and Notre Dame has a track that they want you to be on and not all your courses are going to transfer. It was complicated even for Brandon Joseph last year and the guy only had a handful of credits left and he got into Notre Dame and he wasn't even sure where his degree was going to be coming from. Was it going to be Notre Dame? Or was it going to be Northwestern? So, yeah, I mean, so my point is it's always going to be case by case when it comes to the transfers and stuff like that, regardless of what sport it is. It's not necessarily easier for, you know, women's basketball or whatever. It's that particular player has the coursework in line and is able to get in. Um. What do you think about Sam Hartman? He's still, you know, there's been all the talk about whether or not Sam Hartman from Wake Forest is going to enter the portal, but he still hasn't actually entered the portal. What would you think about him as a Notre Dame fit if he were to enter the portal? You know, I think that Sam Hartman is, is a very solid quarterback. I, he's got a very good arm. He's, you know, he he fits the kind of like that prototypical mold of, of a quarterback, but he is limited by, you know, he's, he's only 6'1", and I say only, but in relative terms to quarterbacks and some of the elite great quarterbacks, that's kind of on the shorter end of the spectrum, right? Um, he had about 3,500 passing yards, 35 touchdowns. Both of those got stats have him in the top five, top 10. Um, very good QBR rating. I just think for, for what Notre Dame's trying to do, I just don't know if he's dynamic enough, right? I, I think they've made kind of known what kind of quarterback they're going for. And I don't necessarily think, Yes, is he is he good pro style quarterback with a big arm? Sure, but I just don't think he's dynamic enough for what Notre Dame's trying to do. He's not he's not a Caleb Williams dynamic. I think Caleb Williams has really set the standard now, uh, and guys like him, you know, like when when Str- C.J. Stroud or when Justin Fields was in college or Kyler Murray was in college or when Lamar Jackson was in college. You know, the the evolution of the quarterback position is changing to be more dynamic, and you know, Patrick Mahomes to be able to do more kind of on your feet, not necessarily, you know, running around, scrambling around for all these running plays, but just extending the plays, extending the pocket and being able to roll out and throw the ball on the run is essentially what we're look what teams are looking for. And I just don't know how dynamic he can be at doing those things. Yeah. Yeah. Good points. Good points. Um, how about this one? Chi-Town. We talked a little bit about Mike Leach and rapid fire last night. Any favorite Mike Leach moments? that you can think of. I always enjoyed listening to him talking about, you know, um, marriage and those sort of things. Uh, There's a lot of good quotes from that one. He talks about, you know, basically what's the point of all the marriage. You should just elope, da, 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 just get it over (laughs) with You know, it doesn't need to be this big ceremony, whatever. Um, And then I I talked about this one last night. I loved this uh, when he was at Washington state in the PAC 12, 
someone asked him who who he thought would win um in a fight between all the the Pac-12 mascots and he gave <laughs> right. he went through each mascot and gave the pros and cons to each mascot and eventually you know dwindled dwindled it down into who he thought would uh win the game so or sorry win overall in the fight so yeah it's just i in all of his stories and all of his you know comments and remarks he actually gave thoughtful responses he didn't just kind of you know brush you to the side or brush off anything that was said um but rather he gave you a very interesting and you know thought about well thought out kind of answers and i think that's overall the biggest thing tommy we are not done mailbagging so if you have questions bring them on i'm always you know a little bit um you know on the edge of my seat what kind of question tommy is gonna bring (laughs) but you can you can always put them in there anyway and then if we don't get to them of course he calls us out for not getting them as well you know the michael it's like it's it's amazing to me just in the last what a little bit more than 24 hours how many people who were able to interact directly with mike leach you know you've seen all these mike leach stories you know all these people have their own personal story about their personal interaction with him and i think that's the coolest thing there was a guy today i saw on twitter he did a twitter thread and i can't remember his name but he was from texas goes to Texas Tech on a recruiting trip. He goes into Mike Leach's office and Leach is sitting there at his desk and above his head, he's got a bicycle that is tied to the ceiling. And the guy says, he looked up and he was like, so coach, do you ride that bike? And he's like, no, I don't ride that bike. And then he proceeds to, you know, not talk anything about football, but he's got this card trick that he does for him. And it's like, there's a stack of cards here. There's a stack of cards here. And he's supposed to pick, you know, from, from each stack, red, black, and all this different stuff. And what Leach told him was if the the kid, you know, won the trick that he was going to have to go to Texas tech. Well, the kid ended up, you know, getting the trick or, you know, he, he figured it out or he didn't figure it out, but it went the way Mike Leach thought it was going to go. But then ultimately the kid ended up committing to Nebraska but uh, he and Leach stayed in contact after that, you know, and it just sounds like that's the kind of guy that Mike Leach was, you know, again, everyone who had contact with Mike Leach, then, uh, you know, that's, everyone's got a good story about him. You know, it's really, really amazing because especially in the cutthroat world of sports and college football, you know, I, I think that that is still the minority as opposed to the majority unfortunately it's only a kick a jump a block it's only a serve it's only a tackle a run it's only for the fans after all it's only pressure you got this adidas Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. David Knight, at what time in life did you realize Jesse had a good football IQ? Jesse's charts, spreadsheets are outstanding. You two are a definite gem. Thanks for the uh, super chat, Jesse. Or or, or, uh, David. I wouldn't say I realized he had a good football (laughs) IQ, but he grew up playing middle linebacker, and that pretty much – you know, like he dropped out of the womb and he was playing middle linebacker. And I think that that, <laughs> that gave him the football like you. Do you remember, I was thinking about this the other day. Do you remember when you were, you know, like, I don't know how old you were when we started this, but we'd be sitting around watching TV. And do you remember what I'd throw in the middle of the floor and what we would do? I do not remember this. The the fumble drills? Oh, I don't. This is. They weren't. They weren't 
quote unquote, I'm doing my air quotes. They weren't real drills, but we'd be sitting there with like a Nerf football and I'd throw it in the middle of the floor and we'd just yell fumble and we'd both go diving for the, you know, the football in the middle of the floor and all that kind of stuff. You don't remember the fumble drills? I'm disappointed. You know, I can hardly remember uh, these days what I did two days ago. So you're asking me a lot now of remembering when I was a lot younger. I have some memories, a lot of memories from when I'm younger, but, you know, I can't even, I don't even know how, how old was I, like four, five, six? Probably maybe? four, five, six, seven, you know, in that range. All right. Uh, we already did the Sam Hartman thoughts. We just did the Mike Leach thoughts. I'm kind of checking some of these off here. On the back end, um, I liked that question uh, from Mr. Connor Nepper. Biggest takeaway you guys want to see in the bowl game and this off season? I know it's kind of maybe okay. some things that we've, you know, touched on a little bit here and there. But the biggest thing I want to see in this bowl game, obviously, is a win, and I want to see a win from from a group of guys, you know, a roster, a lineup, whatever you want to call it, that really hasn't, you know, there's going to be different pieces kind of substituted in and out now. So I want to see that cohesion how they can come together in this time off. And, and the biggest thing I want to see is some of these guys, younger guys, potentially taking a step in this bowl game and showing, you know, what they can do going forward for this team. Um, and, and in terms of this offseason, I obviously, you know, this has been talked about so much, but I want to see them make that step at quarterback. I want to see elite quarterback play um, this offseason. And I want to see an offense that knows its true identity. I want it to look like a well-oiled machine. I don't want to see hiccups. I don't want to see bumps in the road. I want to see a team that con consistently looks like it's taking a step forward rather than a, you know three steps forward, one step back, three steps forward, one, one step back type of situation. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all that. You know, there, there definitely needs to be more consistency. I think the biggest thing... <sighs> I, I just I want to see I want to see notable noticeable adjustments in the bowl game. I think I'm I'm really curious to see what the offense is going to look like in the bowl game. You lose Michael Mayer now, you know, as big a loss of talent as Michael Mayer is, I think that maybe it forces Tommy Reese to do some of these things that we've talked about. You know, making different personnel adjustments and going with different personnel packages you know, rather than just go with the same thing. It's like, well, we got Michael Mayer. We've got to play to this. We've got to play to this. I, you know, I think that there are, there's definitely a different level for the offense to go to just in terms of the off season in general. I just, I, I want to see him finish this recruiting class off. We've got a week to go until signing day. And I know people are kind of on pins and needles about a couple of different guys. I want to see that nailed down and hopefully be able to continue with some of that momentum, like we were talking yesterday about does the bowl game give you momentum going into the off season, the way that that signing day is set up right now as a program, I think that finishing signing day strong gives you more overall momentum as a program than even, you know, what you do in the bowl game. Because again, like I was thinking about this, like think about last year's bowl game, Jack Cohn was the starting quarterback um, you know, I guess Kyle Hamilton was already gone by then. I was trying to think there were a few other guys like, you know, Kyron Williams, he opted out, you know, again, like your team just looks so different once, once the next season starts compared to when the bowl game ends that I just, I, I, I'm not a big, uh, not a big buyer in the whole bowl game gives you off season momentum and all that kind of stuff. Um, we were talking about transfer quarterbacks, perfect world of transfer quarterbacks. Who would you choose card Pratt, Leary, or insert your own? Um, for me, a couple guys I really like, I like Jeff Sims from Georgia tech. I think he's a very type of dynamic quarterback, kind of more that that would be my kind of under the radar guy, but a guy that I, I really like, and I think that could do a lot of good things. Um, is Grayson McCall out of, I believe it is Coastal Carolina. Is that right? He's the one that's getting a lot of momentum right now. Yeah. Grayson McCall. I, I not that I know, uh, you know, a ton about Grayson McCall. I'm not going to act like I'm, you know, an expert by any means, but in terms of what I, like I said, dynamic ability, I really like Grayson McCall and I really like, you know, what, what that, what Sims out of Georgia tech can show you. Um, you know, the, the thing about Devin Leary is, 
I'm not completely sold about on Leary because of, you know, he's, he's getting kind of passed up by these younger guys. And if he's, you know, this super great quarterback and all these things, I think that he could have made it stick, you know, at NC state, unless he's trying to make the case that he can go somewhere bigger. But I mean, he got, he got passed up by some younger guys towards the end of that season. Uh, I'm not a big fan of DJ out of Clemson. I don't think he's kind I, I, I just think we're seeing a lot of, we've seen a lot of his weaknesses, you know, um, Hudson card. I, I, you know, good big name, but really I don't know enough about him. Haven't seen um, a whole bunch. So yeah, I, at the end of the day, the guys I'm most interested in are Grayson McCall and Jeff Sims. Yeah. McCall is an interesting one. And I was looking at his numbers. This is a guy who completed almost 70% of his passes and 24 touchdowns and just two interceptions this season. And it looks like he's got two years of eligibility remaining as well because he played in just four games in 2019. So again, you're at that, you know, at the limit. So 19, 20, 20. Yeah. So he's got two years of eligibility remaining and he's a four-year guy. So he would still be a grad transfer, assuming he's got his degree in hand and everything. So that's that's a guy that kind of perks up, I think, a lot of eyes and in what he could do. But you know, again, just in terms of system. It, I feel like, you know, I, I feel like as long as it's a guy who is predominantly a pocket passer type of guy, Tommy Reese can figure it out. Where he's sort of had some trouble kind of, you know, going off script a little bit is when you have this Tyler Buckner type guy and what you're going to do with the offense. So McCall is very interesting to me. Leary, you know, like, he only got to play in six games. His best game among those was against UConn. You know, he only completed 61% of his passes. So I, I kind of wonder, you know, even before the injury, obviously, he was not doing that great. Driscoll has said no on Jeff Sims. Okay. You know, I, I you know, again, I guess we'll see. I'm, they, you know, they're, they're, they've been, there, there've been some talks with these guys. So I, I'm really curious to see which one, you know, assuming that they are going to get one, who they're going to be able to get here. That's really, maybe we find out sooner than later. I don't know. Lucas wants to know if you think that undergrads are willing to, to transfer. Oh, that less undergrads are willing to transfer because of the value of a Notre Dame degree four for 40 is one of Notre Dame's top selling points. I feel players weigh that more when deciding to stay or leave. Yeah, and I think that plays into a part of the and, and Marcus Freeman talked about this when he got hired on and gave his you know introductory press conference at Notre Dame. The type of player that they're recruiting, you know, they are recruiting guys who are not only intelligent on the field but also in the classroom and who are respectable, you know, young men. And I think that is what a lot of these guys have to realize and what that what makes Notre Dame such a great selling point is you have to be realistic with yourself because after college football is over you know it's there's like a one percent chance that you're going to make it to the NFL right and so if there's a one percent chance that you're going to make it to the NFL what is the best opportunity for after football and Notre Dame degree is going to get you into a lot of meetings it's going to get you a lot of interviews it's you know it's just going to get you a lot of FaceTime and it's going yeah. you know depending on what your degree is. And I would say 80, you know, 80, 85% of Notre Dame degrees are, and I'm not saying they're more challenging than others. Right. But a, a degree from Notre Dame is going to set you up for the rest of your life. It's going to give you opportunities once your football career is over. Yeah. I think it's why some of these guys do stick it out maybe a little bit longer and don't just pack up and run right away because you're already, you're already talking to a different caliber of student when they come in the door to begin with. And so I, I think that there has to be something to do with that. The fact that, you know, like when, when the, the fact that you do have guys who are willing to weigh, okay, I've got this degree that's going to be worth a heck of a lot more than maybe, you know, a hundred thousand dollars or $50,000 extra, or, you know, however much more in NIL, you know, if, 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 if I go someplace else. So I, I do think that that has to weigh, into some of these equations and again why you see some guys who are willing to stick it out longer now other guys you know again it's it's case by case for everybody but i i, I do think that maybe you know that there's there's definitely something to that because the way that they recruit and they are selling 
more than just, hey, here's your opportunity. You know, here's your ticket to the NFL and that kind of stuff. They're selling a bigger ticket. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.